Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Remember what Paul said earlier, God has chosen the foolish things of the world. God has chosen the weak things. God has chosen those that the world would sneer at and reject. Those are the ones God has chosen. So if we're trying to be seen as wise in the world's eyes, we're actually working against the way God Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 23, in a message titled, Building God's Temple. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Because we think we're responsible for it, we think, well... Everything I think and do is right. And so I'm just going yeah, to keep going with that. That is the story of many churches today. Where men started out right. Their motives were right. They wanted to do this for the glory of God. I have a friend who is no longer in ministry who started out with a pure desire to glorify God. And God blessed him extraordinarily in an amazing way. I remember talking to him in the early days of his ministry, and he was really discouraged. At that time, he'd been, I don't know, maybe he'd been at it four or five years or something, and he had a church of about 200 people, and He just felt like a failure, wanted to give up. And I had been at it a bit longer than him, so he asked me for some advice. What did I think? Should he just give up? I said, no, man, you need to press through. You need to keep going. And he did. And nobody ever dreamed of what was on the other side of that pressing through. God poured out his spirit in an extraordinary way. Extraordinary. Thousands upon thousands of people. Impact. Massive impact. I remember running into him during that season. And when everything's just exploding. And I remember having a conversation with him. And I was absolutely shocked at the arrogance that came from him. It was jarring. I mean, he just was telling me how great he was. And I was looking at him thinking, what has happened? And I think the look on my face told him. Because after our encounter, he came back to me about an hour later and said, man, I'm sorry. I don't know what's come over me. I don't know. I don't, you know, please forgive me for acting like that. I really sounded prideful, didn't I? My friend, that's an understatement. You sounded like the devil himself. I want to ascend above the throne of God. I want to be like the Most High. I mean, it was crazy. But, you know, I think he pulled it together and probably repented. But as the years went by and the blessing continued to come, more and more entitlement set in. 
more and more became about him and his platform. And eventually he crashed and burned. And he's out of the ministry today. And he's a lonely person, a pathetic situation, really. Didn't only lose his church, but lost his family in the process. But at one time, his motives were pure. You know, I I think of David. We were looking at, in our class this week, studying the Psalms. We were looking at Psalm 51, where, you know, that's the, the great repentant Psalm of David. It's where he's repenting before God, but it's before he's received the word of God's mercy. So he's just crying out to God for mercy. But as we're studying Psalm 51, we're going back to look at the historical events surrounding the psalm, and that's David's sin with Bathsheba, then his consigning her husband Uriah to death. And as you read that passage there in 2 Samuel, the Lord says to David, he says, he basically just goes through this list of all the things he did for him. I did all these things for you, and if this was not enough, I would have done more. And it was a situation when David was little in his own eyes, when he was humble, and his motive was just to glorify God. Oh, the kingdom, it was, it was great. It was marvelous. But then it became about David. And so we read in the 11th chapter of 2 Samuel, in in the time of the year when the kings go out to battle, David stayed home. He was above that now. He's too good for that. He didn't need to go do that. He'd arrived. He's now at another level. And that's when he saw this young woman bathing. That's when he invited her to his house. That's when he was told she is the wife of Uriah. And he said, ah, that doesn't matter. I'm the king. I can do what I want. And that's when it all crumbled. And that has happened over and over again in the history of the church. And it's being repeated today because men forget that it's God who does the work. It really is. It's the Lord. So let's look at a couple of other things here. He does talk about, I just want to mention, he talks about the, these people. If you build with the right material, then what's been built is going to survive. And there's going to be a reward. If building with the wrong material, it's all going to be consumed. It'll all be amount to really nothing in the end. So they will suffer loss, but they will be saved. And so... It doesn't mean in, in this case that a person is, has lost their salvation. David didn't lose his salvation, but he did lose much of his power and anointing and blessing on his life like others have done as well. But, but he goes on, and let's look at what he says here in verse 16. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Now, here Paul is talking collectively. In the sixth chapter, he's going to talk about us being the temple, and there it's going to be personal, individual. The context is sexual ethics, sexual behavior. And so there he's looking at 
us individually as the temple of God. Here, he's, he's talking about the collective people of God, the body of Christ. And so don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And now here's the stern warning, verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So man, what a warning. God is saying, again, Paul says, be careful how you build. There's a a man uh, named Paul Tripp who wrote a book some years ago now about the ministry and the title of the book is Dangerous Calling. And it is indeed a dangerous calling because you can end up in a place where God destroys you because you, because of your pride and your self-will, you have destroyed the temple of God. So like I said in the beginning, we can never forget that the church is God's church. I can't mess with it. If I do mess with it, it will lead to my own demise eventually. Might seem like lots of people mess with it and nothing ever happens. No, stuff happens. God turns against those and destroys them. And that's the the story of many of these people like the one I told you about. That's just one example of many. Now, verse 18. Look what he says. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. So that was their whole thing. They wanted to be recognized by the world as wise. Remember what Paul said earlier, uh, God has chosen the foolish things of the world. God has chosen the weak things. God has chosen those that the world would sneer at and reject. Those are the ones God has chosen. So if we're trying to be seen as wise in the world's eyes, we're actually working against the way God works. And so he says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. So here it is what it boils down to. Better to be seen a fool in people's eyes than in God's eyes. Now listen, as you follow Jesus, it's never going to be cool. It's never going to be cool. I, I almost feel like we're past the age, hopefully we're past the age where somehow we think that it's cool or we're, we're cool or we're expecting the world to think that we're cool. And there have been seasons where that has been the case. People have tried to attract the world by, hey, we're cool. So if you want to be cool, come and join our club. 
But you know, when you really follow Jesus, it's just, it's never going to be cool in the eyes of the world because the world is at enmity with God. And they might look and think, well, that looks kind of cool. And they might even look at some of the stuff we do and say, well, that's pretty cool. But guess what? When they find out what you really believe, oh, that's not cool. That is not cool. Because nobody wants to believe that there is a God who holds human beings accountable. Nobody wants to believe that. Nobody wants to believe that human beings are so sinful that we had to have someone die in our place to pay for our crimes against God. No one wants to believe that. So you see, when it comes out who we really are, all the world is not going to like that. But it's okay. It's okay because remember, God will have the final word. God has the final word on who is cool. I think of that, uh, there's a verse in Isaiah, it says, do not fear the reproach of people, nor be afraid of their insults. Man, that's so often what it comes down to. Why would, say, these leaders in Corinth, why would they even want to court the favor of the world? Because they're afraid of being insulted. They're afraid of being reproached. That, oh, I don't like that. Well, we don't like it, but that's the cost. That is the cost of following Christ. Jesus said it. If the world loved me, it'll love you. If it hated me, it'll hate you. And of course, the majority hate Christ. It's always been that way. So, if anyone is trying to be wise... By the standards of this age, Paul says, you need to become a fool. Now, you understand what he's saying. He's not saying be be foolish. But he's saying, identify with the wisdom of God, not with the wisdom of men. And don't be afraid to be insulted over that. Of course, it's always been the case, but I think it is the case today as well. You know, people really look down on our beliefs. You know, there, there was a time not that long ago where it's always been a negative in the, in the eyes of people that we would be exclusive in the sense that we would think that there's only one savior. There's only one way to God. And, and people have been pushing back on that for centuries. But now... It's become so offensive. I mean, now it's like you are seen as public enemy number one. You start thinking like that. So to take that stand in that camp, you're going to be thought a fool. I'm going to be thought a fool. But Paul says, better to become a fool. Because again, God has the final word. Now, look at what he says right here at the end. He's saying to them, he says, all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or future, all are yours and you 
belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Now, this is, this is what he's getting at. I'll give you a quote from N.T. Wright. I modified it a little bit because of the Britishness of it. But he said this, in short, the Corinthians were like people splashing about in a muddy pool when the ocean itself was right beside them. Like people drinking dirty water from a polluted tap when sparkling mountain water was there before them. Imagine preferring to indulge in personality cults as though you were merely another bunch of squabbling philosophers when the entire cosmos and all its truth, mystery, and wisdom were yours for the exploring. Temptations often promise more and deliver less. Sometimes, in fact, they deliver nothing at all. Satan offers the moon and then laughs at you when you don't get it while God promises you the sun itself. So what is the point? The point is, he's saying to these these people in Corinth, it's like, you have got the wisdom of the cosmos. You've got eternal wisdom. Why are you dabbling over here in this stuff. Just these squabbles among human beings who don't, in the end, really know much of anything. You know, so often we put, you know, people up on pedestals because of their so-called learning. And yet, the most learned among us, if that most learned person among us rejects God, they, they really don't know anything. And, and why would we be attracted to that? Why would we be intimidated by that? Why would we want to somehow impress that? It's like trying to grasp the moon, which only is light because of the sun. And God's given us the sun. So all things are yours. So rather than chasing after this human wisdom that is foolishness to God, we should be giving ourselves fully over to the wisdom of God and letting that wisdom do in us all that God wants to do in our lives individually and in our lives collectively. You know, the children of Israel, you know, one of the things that God had in mind with the Israelites was that he would take this nation and give them these extraordinary laws and they would become so blessed that the other nations would look on and say, wow, that's amazing. How can we get in on this? And God actually said, those very words to them. I've given you all this that the other nations might look on and say, what people is like this people? What people have ever been so near to God? What people have ever been given such a a wonderful law? What people have ever been so wise and so blessed? But you know what the Israelites did? They thought, well, I don't know. We were looking around and we kind of think that they've got some pretty cool stuff over there. 
it like Wright says. They're, they're right at the shore of the sea. And then they say, but there's a mud puddle over there. I, I want to go splash around in that. And listen, that's what the church does so often. But you know, God wants to do with us collectively what he wanted to do with Israel. He wants the world to look at us and say, that is unique. That is extraordinary. That is something that I want to investigate. But you see, if we're just like the world, that's never going to happen, is it? If we're all divided up, if we're all arguing and bickering and hating each other over politics, who wants to be part of that? That's, that's everywhere. Why would you want a religious version of it? So, God intends to do something. And he's given us all of this. Now, how might we apply this more broadly to our lives individually? Well, here it is simply. The Holy Spirit has laid the foundation of Christ in our lives. So if you're a Christian today, if you have personally put faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has laid the foundation of Christ in your life. So how are we building on that foundation? Are we building with gold, silver, and precious stones? In other words, are we are we taking full advantage of the Spirit and the things the Spirit has given to us? Are we saturating our lives with God's truth through his word? Are we connecting with him through prayer and worship? Are we coming together as the people of God and learning and growing and maturing because of the influence of one another upon our lives are we stepping out into the world with a wisdom and a love that the world hasn't seen but desperately needs? Are we doing that? Or are we building on the foundation with wood, hay, and straw or stubble? Are we doing it our way? Are we grabbing onto ideas and theories and passions from the world. And that's what our Christian faith is about now. The gold, the silver, the precious stones, the things of the spirit. Let's build our lives with those things. And build. Build implies activity. We cannot sit by passively. It is not time to be passive in our faith. Man, it's time to get to work. It's time to get building. Let God build us up. And let's build one another up so the temple of God can grow as he desires it. For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. 
The world is constantly challenging the rationality of the Christian faith and the validity of the existence of God. As Christians, we're faced not only with skepticism and doubt, but also with genuine inquiry. The book Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little provides clear and understandable answers to why the Christian faith is rational and how the existence of God is valid. He also addresses other questions that both Christians and non-Christians alike puzzle over. Questions such as, is Jesus really God? Is the Bible historically reliable? Are miracles really real? If God does exist, then why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? If you want your questions like these answered, or to be able to answer questions of others, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights as we welcome a guest into our series, Pastor Char Broderson, as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.